0: Hello and welcome to The Download. I'm your host, Dave Richardson, and I am really pleased to be joined by a special guest today, Dan Chornis, the Chief Investment Officer at RBC Global Asset Management. Dan, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Dave.
0: So we're, we're a day in front of the uh, the first debate in the U.S. presidential election uh, through the month of September. Uh, as people have come back from summer vacation, we've seen a, an uptick in volatility, uh, some concerns about the valuations of some parts of the market, uh, some disruption in high yield fixed income markets. And uh, October historically has been one of those times of year where you where you often see movement in markets. So I thought I would ask Dan uh, to, to come on and sort of give his thoughts on uh, you know his view of the market, what he's looking at. As, as the chief investment officer of a, of a firm that runs hundreds of billions of dollars of assets uh, around the world and put it in the perspective of, of, of what we should be thinking about as sort of an average investor uh, looking at these markets as well. So, Dan, welcome. Uh, welcome. Thanks for being with us. So, so what, what are you looking at, Dan? What are you, what are, what are you thinking about when it comes to uh, investment markets and, and where we're sitting right now? About a month out from the uh, the U.S. election, and uh, in the midst of perhaps a second wave of COVID around the world, what do you what are you paying attention to, and what do you think investors should be paying attention to?
1: Well, probably we're starting with the economy, I suppose, but but also reflecting on what you just said that you know, September and then September and October are historically among the most difficult months. I think Mark Twain had something funny on that, but you know we've seen this. Uh, and uh, there's so much to work with in that regard in 2020. You mentioned the election, but, of course, the the, the pandemic seems to have taken a a little bit of a backslide through the beginning of September, and, you know, obviously, you all read this stuff in the paper, and I won't recount everything, but, you know, there's lots of, uh, there's lots of avenues for for this backslide back to back to school a little bit more back to work some prior relaxation of social distancing measures by governments uh, apparently a dry fall might have had uh, had an impact this isn't just in North America though You, you actually actually seeing worse numbers coming coming out of Europe and so that's very very unfortunate but you know they 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 it seems that these waves will. You know, sort of define uh, this period until a vaccine or 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 therapeutic uh, is able to put this uh, well behind us. So, I think it's important though that you understand that the despite these threats, the economy is growing, and uh, it's already recovered two thirds of that huge decline of the lockdown period, March, April, May. Now, probably the next leg of it, recovering that last third, is gonna be much more difficult uh, than the prior two thirds, and, and there will be more threats accumulated along the way. But you consider, you look at the employment data, and it's actually quite strong. Unemployment is falling, jobs are being created. Uh, and uh, you know the, the, the economy will finish this year with one of the worst, I guess probably the worst numbers in history. Uh, perhaps even including the worst years of the Great Depression, less than like minus seven in the minus six in the United States and minus seven in Canada for GDP, but recovered. At sort of call it three point four growth in the U.S. next year and four point five. So you know there still is momentum, but there's also uh, you know th- 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 there's also a cycle, and we appear to be into a weakening stage of that within an overall recovery trend.
0: So, 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 Dan, do, do you do you expect the markets to be particularly volatile uh, through through October, and then and perhaps even beyond the election, which may or may, or may not be determined on on November third? Is that something you think investors are going to have to be get get somewhat comfortable with over the next several months?
1: I think so. Uh, if you look at the stock market and sort of the quality of the correction that we have, it actually acts more like. You know, the positive refreshes or a bit of a cooling off period after too hot a summer or whatever, as opposed to the beginning of a tip into something much more pernicious like a bear market you know that the you mentioned uh, high yield bond markets actually the credit markets have been relatively stable through this of course there's volatility there too but when really nasty things happen you usually see it happen first in the credit markets so we've got our eye on that very very closely and of course there's reasons why you should be concerned uh, about credit as as this period of of uh, weirdness in the economy stretches on uh, and, uh, you know, people will find it more and more difficult to to satisfy their prior commitments. But that market is solid. Uh, spreads are very low by historic uh, average to low by historic comparison, much lower than they were three or four months ago. So the fact that it's holding in there, I think, is 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 uh, is sound. Uh, if you look at the internals of the stock market if you look at market bread for example the new high new low we're not seeing an awful lot there that says that wow this is the beginning of uh, kind of opening the trap door so that's not that's not what seems to be happening out there uh, the of course we take every day on its merits but so far this looks like a cooling off you know, and a cooling off is a good thing we were seeing a couple of things, a couple of things happening and in the the U.S. stock market in particular, which is not only led but acted quite differently than other world stock markets. And I think that that's something you might want to consider now uh, when you're you're doing your asset allocations. So a couple of things happened in the United States. First, we got huge gains in a narrowing part of the market. These were the mega cap global technology stocks, you know, the five biggest companies in the world, and we could all name them and probably in order. They define a growth style and not a value style. So as part of that, the premium valuation of growth stocks versus value stocks went to an historic high. Uh, that's a bit of a concerning thing because you know it kind of distorted our knowledge of what's happening in the stock market if we look at the indexes wow that us stock market's on fire but actually look at average stocks they did nothing like that and then you get these valuation premiums that are probably not sustainable you want a period of cooling off that's also been seen in just market sentiment numbers people are getting too excited about this and usually what happens after a period of of too much excitement is, you know, we all get uh, <laughs> that excitement moved in, in a difficult way. What we're seeing during this, though, is uh, um, a bit of a recovery in relative strength in areas of the global stock market that haven't participated yet. Now, it's not bleeding through to value in any sort of sustainable way, but we're seeing much better activity out of the global or non-U.S. stock markets, and that's encouraging. You know, ultimately, we'd be We'd like to see some sort of recovery in value versus growth. If, if for no other reason then it opens up more opportunity for more stocks to rise. That doesn't appear to be in place yet, though. If you look for the normal signals of that, um, you know, you'd look for a steepening of the yield curve. We're not really seeing that you look for recovery and inflation expectations. To the extent that that's happening, it's more technical. We don't think that there really are people fearing inflation yet. Um, really what you would look for is the an evidence that uh, a durable stronger economic recovery is falling into place and that's not really what's happening right now either just more of a labored recovery with some threats around it so more of the same going forward and there will be corrective periods and we appear to be in one of those Um, um, but as far as asset mix goes to us stocks still look like the favorite
0: yeah, and, and I, I think a really important point you make for for, for investors that uh, you know the, the stock market is uh, is is going to adjust over time. It's not going to be a straight run higher. It never is. Uh, the, there are always shorter term factors that come into play, emotions that uh, that 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 correct the market, and and it's a healthy part of the process, uh, which, which again is why. Uh, People should think of investing as a long-term process uh, versus speculating and gambling. That's trying to figure out what way the market is moving day to day. Uh, The investing is is much more about taking what the market gives you over time, which has historically been very good. And right now, as you say, uh, and and as you said, I I believe the last time you were on, uh, things certainly favor. Stocks over bonds and and and, and cash in, in, in the coming years.
1: Dave, can I just follow that out for a second? I think it's an extremely important point that you're making and something that we've done a lot of work on and think about always, which is that not only over the short term and the intermediate term, but for many years, the way we invest has to change here. Interest rates are below 1% almost everywhere, in some places, even below zero. Central banks have committed to keep those rates keeping those rates at low levels at least over the next year, two years. And structurally, it's hard to see why they should rise a whole lot. So maybe they go back to 2 25 maybe even 3% going forward, but nowhere near the levels that we grew used to over the last 10, 15, 20 years, and therefore not the levels that are embedded in our investment plans. That is because of structural change. We have an aging global demographic. We have a, a, the emerging world has partially or largely emerged. So trendline growth rates are going to fall. Inflation will still low. And all those things say, okay, interest rates are going to be at very, very low levels. Now, when I say low levels, I'm not talking low levels relative to last year. I'm talking about low levels relative to the last century and a half. This is a durable, important thing. Why is it so important? Because whether we call it a balanced fund or not, our investment accounts, our savings accounts, our retirement accounts, our education savings accounts. They're a blend of different assets. We use some bonds, we use some stocks, maybe some real estate, some all, whatever. whatever. Right? You put all those things together based on a forward view of what the return, returns will be. And when we blend these together, how they will affect portfolio volatilities. This is all changed because of low interest rates. Right? Bonds don't give you the safety net that they used to. They don't give you the, they don't give you the income that they used to. They don't give you the safe haven that they used to. So the simplest thing one can do is say, well, gee, I used to earn, let's say, four on my bonds, sometimes a little more. I'm now gonna earn two or less. Where can I go to get returns? Well, I think everywhere returns will be lower, but they'll be significantly higher over the longer term in equities than they will in fixed income. Okay, but equities always bring the risk of correction and sleepless nights. This is where time horizon comes in. It's so important right now. If you can look past these corrections, if your time horizon is beyond seven years and hopefully beyond 10 years, and it is for so many of us because these retirement savings very frequently we're talking about, Right? You can accept that volatility. You can use periods where equities are weak to add to positions and through the cycle run higher average equity positions than you did in prior cycles.
0: What do you think though, Dan, that 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 someone who is you know 65, 70 years old and and already in retiring um, very challenging markets. Now, low inflation creates a positive for them uh, because you know cost of living perhaps doesn't in, increase as as much as it traditionally would through a you know a, a 15 20 even sometimes 30 40 year retirement but but what what do you what do you do if you're if you're that type of investor if you're that in that position in your life and 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 you know bonds are are just not going to produce the kind of returns they have
1: so again another good point you make is that is that uh, these are uh, we can take some uh, relief out of the fact that real costs of living aren't going to rise much. That would even be a greater threat if we had higher interest rates and higher growth, but much higher inflation. That makes future planning even that much more difficult. So there's a few things that 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 older savers can do. And uh, one is be patient. Uh, uh, two is uh, don't panic. We saw, I think, in the Wall Street Journal in March or April of this year that over 20% of savers over the age of 65 sold all of their equities during March of 2020. You know, you have to have tremendous sympathy for these people. Those are, in some cases, unrecoverable losses. This is where I think, frankly, the value of advice comes in strongest. During these bad times, don't lose your head. You know, you can move beyond sovereign bonds. And again, you build diversified portfolios and again, diversified portfolios are the key here of investment grade bonds. And there's there's higher yield and there's returns to analysis that are available there. You can even blend in some small amount, perhaps, of high yield bonds and emerging market bonds and boost the yields there, too. And, and more and more, we look to things like absolute return uh, uh, fixed income funds we 've had very good success uh, at Blue Bay with these, and that they uh, produce much of the total return of fixed income, blend nicely with other fixed income products to you know modify the downside in a bad time so it's, so it 's a range of things in fixed income that move beyond sovereign that can give you a bit of a bit of a bump and then, as you move into the equity markets, it doesn 't have to be all. Uh, you know, high-flying technology stocks at one place. Certainly, probably you want to minimize that. That is, so again, very broadly diversified portfolios. You might want to emphasize those with uh, very stable business plans and rather high yields. Uh, low vol has got knocked around a bit uh, through, the, uh, uh, through the corrective phase, but the elements of the way that at least we've built low vol still appeal to me, which is by firms that have, if you're looking for low volatility, Uh, Rather than just buy stocks that in the past have demonstrated low volatility, why not construct a portfolio out of companies with business plans that should exhibit low volatility? So it's just not an artifact of past stock market performance as a reflection of the go forward business plan. So there are things that we can do to boost our returns. Perhaps we have to accept a little more volatility, but it doesn't have to be an all or nothing type of proposition.
0: Yeah, and, 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 and I think the, 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 the key point, there's, there's, there's the two things that, that we continually emphasize on, on on this podcast for investors, which is, um, one is is get great advice. It, uh, getting good advice is, is a really, really important element, even for someone uh, like yourself or myself, who, uh, who, who have worked in the industry for decades, uh, it is still a, a good idea to have a sounding board or to have someone who is uh, who, who, who has an expertise around all elements of financial planning, not just the investment piece uh, to help guide the decisions you're making. But then that diversification, and again, what's, what's the, the, the big advantage of, of being an investor in 2020 versus, say, 1990 and coming into retirement? Uh, if we were in the same situation back then, is is the 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 amount of of, of options that you have, and really easily and professionally uh, managed options that you have to build a truly diversified portfolio, not just in stocks, but as you say, in fixed income uh, for uh, for retirees. It's uh, it's it's a uh, it, it's a, it would it would be it would be lovely if if things were a little bit different. But given the market backdrop, we have at least people have that choice and and that ability to get that advice and and to get that uh, uh, the the investment management uh, to, to to build those portfolios. So it's in in, in that respect uh, that 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 being open to those ideas is is really going to help retirees.
1: No no question, and I think that the uh, most hopefully would have taken advantage of some of these big moves and. Uh, in how we manage portfolios over the last 10 years even up to 20 years globalizing portfolios moving beyond sovereign bonds into credit markets and and uh, and certainly in equities moving far beyond just the large cap Canadian U.S. equity markets into global markets into emerging markets into different cap sizes and different styles and you get to blend all these things together and hopefully affect uh, more attractive outcomes in terms of At least most of your prior total returns, but perhaps with more, uh, uh, you know, a lower level of volatility.
0: Great. Well, Dan, that that um, that is a fantastic overview of what uh, people should be looking at in markets right now. Uh, And then for people who are saving towards retirement or already in retirement. Uh, some of the uh, little bit more detail than we got into last time on on what's changed, what's different, the different approaches people need to think about, and the different options that are available to them as well. So Dan, uh, always a pleasure catching up with you and uh, look forward to having you on uh, again in the not too distant future. Thanks for your time, Dan.
1: Thank you very much. Stay safe.